everybody. It's Allie, and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, November 5th, 2017. This week marked Mal Young's first full week in his new dual head writer slash executive producer role. And I don't know about you guys, but I felt the difference in YNR. YNR was very different this week, tonally, visually, everything about the show uh, was different than it than it, it was uh, even just two weeks ago. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it, you guys. I did not love it. I did not love YNR this week. I cannot even remember the last time that I watched the show and rolled my eyes so much. It just didn't feel right. I mean, uh, normally <laughs> I like to keep things very positive. In, in, in 10 years of doing YNR chat, I have polished up some rocks <laughs> just in the interest of staying positive and, and loving of the show. But I, I just, there are two things that I really don't like. Uh, I don't like horror and I don't like disaster. And I got both of those right out of the gate from Mal Young and I just, I'm, I'm not loving it. Everything about that fire, well, I should say nearly everything about the fire, was wrong. It didn't feel right. It was all heavy-handed. It was schmaltzy. It was unrealistic. There were character inconsistencies all around. I mean, look, you want to burn down the underground? Fine. Everybody knows. I hate that set. <laughs> I hate the underground. So the fact that it, it, it's going up in smoke is it's no problem to me, although I don't know why someone didn't maybe say to Mal, look, we kind of did this story not even two years ago. It was February 2015. Charles Pratt, Jill Farron Phelps wrote a storyline where the underground collapsed, leaving Victor and Jack and Phyllis and Nikki inside. A few months later, it was restored to pretty much its identical original condition, and 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 it, it needed to go. It was a set that needed to go. I just I I don't I don't know why. Here we are, not even two years later, kinda in the same place. When you could have just made that set go away quietly. Oh no. We we have to have something big, something major happen, and I'm just gonna hope, I, I'm just gonna hope that uh, this whole underground situation was meant to be a big dramatic way of wrapping up some old storylines and creating some new ones as fast as possible, I, because I, it, I, I'm not impressed. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, I do like to usually keep things light. Maybe you guys loved it. And please, don't let me rain on your parade. I'm going to be a little negative today. I'm, I, I, Maybe I'm just in a bad mood. Maybe they got me. I had a hard week. Maybe they just did this did not hit me right this week. But don't, if, if, if you loved it, I want you to continue to love it. In fact, I'm going to make that this week's poll question for the week. I want you to grade Mal Young's first full week in his 
writing position at YNR. I want you to give him a grade from uh, here in the U.S. We, uh, when you go to school, you get like an A if you do really well and you get an F if you fail. So I want you guys to go to YRChat.com and I want you to grade Mal. I want you to tell me how much you liked or did not like this week's show. Sound off about the things you liked. I mean, maybe there's some things you didn't like and some things that you did. And that is kind of how I feel too. Um, I wanted to love this week's show, and there were some good things about it, but the things I think that bothered me the most are the character inconsistencies. I think I'm going to have to give Mal a solid D here, hoping that (laughs) maybe we can get to a C or a B within the next couple of weeks, but just it didn't feel right after helping Nick and Noah get a liquor license after reconciling with Nick just a week earlier out of the blue. Victor decides to buy the liquor distribution company who sells Nick the liquor for his bar and hike up the prices and probably try to drive Nick out of business. And he reignites the war between him and his son that he has been saying, going around town telling everybody that he wants to peacefully resolve. This makes no sense from Victor's perspective. Why would he do that? Why would he, out of nowhere, decide to do this petty little thing toward Nick when they just made up? It makes no sense. (sighs) Okay, makes no sense from Victor's perspective. Nick... In response to this, it's so angry and so distraught about the fact that his father is getting the best of him. He says out loud, making a comment, I think, to Chelsea about the fact that he would he would really rather just see the underground go up in flames or burn to the ground rather than let Victor win. So Nick goes to the underground after hours. He's angry. He's like throwing things around, tossing things around, being angry. He's throwing back a couple of beers. Takes a moment to light a festive Halloween pumpkin. (laughs) And sits there at the bar, lighting match after match, watching them burn. That right there, looking at Nick's face while he's lighting all these matches, is so unlike Nick. That felt so wrong to me. Have you ever gotten a sense from Nicholas Newman that he would burn down anything, that he would ever hurt anyone, that he would even be considering something like that? Didn't Nick Newman just give away a half a billion dollars to a bunch of charities last week just to free up his karma? And now, this week, he's a a let-it-all-burn-down kind of guy? I don't think so. Worse, it gets so much worse. (laughs) In Florida, the day after Dina and you know told her children that she doesn't want to see him, tells Jack she doesn't want to have anything to do with him, get you know, get away from me. The next morning she's all smiles, she's all welcoming, and she's all selective amnesia. She doesn't remember a thing about the drama that happened back in Genoa City prior to her stroke. So basically, YNR has just decided to go in an amnesia, dementia, Alzheimer's direction with Dina. I mean, months and months and months after they started this crap, and then a long stretch of time where Dina's completely fine, all of a sudden, now the Alzheimer's 
Summers is kicking in. So disappointing. Jack and Ashley are able to convince her to go back to Genoa City and Michael finds a loophole in Graham's power of attorney that makes it only valid in Wisconsin anyway. So they've got her back at the Abbott Mansion. She's staying there. And in the middle of the evening, (laughs) one unassuming evening, Dina decides to walk out the front door of the Abbott Mansion in her house slippers. Presumably gets in a car or has a gets a driver or something to take her all the way to downtown Genoa City from the Abbott Mansion that's probably located on the outskirts of town possibly in like some posh gated community Dina makes makes her way in her jammies all the way downtown <laughs> to the to where, where she decides to just so happen stop the car outside of the underground outside of a club that is closed that is dark that she's never been to before and she just so happens to I don't know wander into the underground where there's I guess oh an unlocked door or something she wanders on in (laughs) she fumbles around for a light oh oops knocks over a kerosene lamp that just so happened to be sitting on the bar on the bar in a business where people are frequently drunk that Nick just has a kerosene lamp sitting there who the hell has kerosene lamps in a bar oh oops I guess the bartender forgot to put those away before closing up (laughs) Dina sits down Probably got her hands covered in kerosene. Pulls out a crumpled, old crumpled up photo of Brent Davis. <laughs> that she has. Okay, okay. Pulls out this photo, is looking at it. This is, by the way, something that she completely could have done in her bedroom at home or anywhere else. Anywhere else in Genoa City or on the planet. She grabs one of Nick's matches lights a teeny tiny little corner of Brent Davis's photo on fire, sets the photo down on, on the bar to just burn, <laughs> walks out the door, finds her way back home just fine, by the way. I mean, she probably will not remember a single thing about this, but she knows exactly where Jack lives. She was able to get back home, shuffle her way upstairs, back into her bed, completely un- undetected. <coughs> Back at the bar, the burning, <laughs> the burning photo of Brent, of course, ignites the kerosene that was spilled onto one corner of the bar top, and the entire bar top then goes up in flames, like all the way around in this dramatic square of flames swelling up. Like, I understand it was supposed to be a dramatic swell, but that thing looked, that moment looked really fake to me. Oh, that's not enough drama for you, though, Allie? How about this? Three children are trapped inside the burning building. (sighs) Kane helps Charlie and Maddie throw what seemed like a perfectly lovely Halloween party at the Ashby House. (laughs) 
I loved how Kane looked so proud of himself every after he decorated the house. It looked like Halloween threw up in there, but it was cute and it broke my heart to see how much effort Kane put into his decorating job and the kids still thought that that party was lame. It was too lame to even stay there. I personally would have happily sat there next to Kane watching old movies with him all night. <laughs> But Maddie and Reed and Charlie want to ditch that party. It's not cool enough. So Reed lies to Noah, asks to get the keys to the underground, saying he needs to go get his guitar. And he's really planning to sneak these ki- the kids and a bunch of other kids into the underground to have a little private party where I guess they can do whatever they want. So the, the three main kids go on, char- go in, Charlie, Maddie, and Reed, get, use the key, get into the underground, and when they hear they're in there when Nick comes in. So they hear Nick come in. So they run and hide in the back office. And then, you know, they're waiting for the coast to be clear so they can do what they want to do. But Dina starts the fire while they're still in the office, which, by the way, I'm sure that Nick is going to think he accidentally did. Nick knows he was sitting there at the bar with those matches. I'm sure, at the, you know, next week, Nick is going to assume he's responsible for build, burning down his own club and feel bad about it, unless maybe on some in some little twist, maybe the teens will think that they accidentally burned it down because they lit a candle back in the office. I'm not sure. But <clears throat> when the fire goes up, the kids are trapped in the office. They try to leave, but the door, the door handle is so hot, indicating that the fire must be right outside the door. Oh, no. And so they, they, the, they can't go anywhere. They can't leave the office. And even if they wanted to, the door has expanded from the fire. So the, the door's jammed. Nobody can get out. They can't do anything except for, like, uh, like make phone calls to the outside world. All of it was supposed to be able... They're able to call and alert that there's a fire. And so then this dramatic firefighter scene outside develops with the firefighters swelling around. And it's like, oh, very high intensity. And the kids are calling anybody that they can think to call uh, all of their loved ones. Reed calls Victoria, his mom, of course, but she doesn't answer. She's been in the hospital for crying out loud. Then Reed calls uh, Billy as a second choice. And then uh, uh, like all the whole time. They're trying to cover their faces. They don't want to inhale any smoke. They're just trying to survive and hope that someone gets to them in time. Maddie calls uh, Kane. I I did like the scene where uh, Kane and Maddie did end up talking on the phone. And Kane was telling her the story that she's heard a million times. And she doesn't want to hear again about her and Charlie as babies. And they were two peas in a pod. And it was a cute little moment between father and daughter. I thought that... That was pretty okay, but the phone gets cut off, and now nobody knows if the kids are even alive inside of this this building. They're obviously trapped in a part of the building that trained professionals can't get to, but Billy sure could. Billy shows up on the scene, and Billy's able to get to them with absolutely no problem. The, the, the hallway outside of the office is so engulfed in flames that that door handle is very hot, but the hallway, as soon as Billy gets there, is completely clear. Billy was able to pretty easily get in there, open up the door, help the kids outside. Oh, but... Oh, he can't seem to make it out on his own. Oh, no, Billy. 
Gets gets the kids out, gets the kid to safety, gets to be the hero, but can't get himself out before the whole building collapses on him. Oh, is Billy going to die? <laughs> Billy's in some real danger here. Uh, he's trapped. He's in a difficult place. We can't get to him underneath all of the rubble. We might have to call in an orthopedic surgeon to hack off his legs and yank what's left of him out of the rubble. Come on! <laughs> Am I supposed to, an orthopedic surgeon, am I supposed to take that seriously? Am I supposed to believe that that's even a possibility? Soap opera viewers are not dumb. I know that that's never gonna happen, so why even mention that? Why even put that out there that he's gonna have to get <laughs> amputated? They just lost me. They lost me so hard with that one. And they also, ugh, I know I'm supposed to be loving this, but there was these long ass chats that Billy was having with the firefighter who found him in the rubble and, you know, wanting to rescue him. And I know that it was supposed to be some kind of gallows humor, but it went on way too long. Like, stop flapping your gums, dude, and go get some more help, please. <laughs> if it is so freaking delicate in there that you can't even make a move, nobody, nobody make a move or the whole thing could collapse, then how the hell are you going to get your orthopedic surgeon in there? And then Jack shows up. Suddenly... Not Phyllis, not Victoria, not Ashley, but Jack decides that after months of fighting with his brother, after declaring him not part of the Abbott family, declaring him not his brother just yesterday, Jack decides that Billy is far too precious to lose. Jack tells the firefighter that he wants to risk his own life to go in and rescue Billy. Well, sure. Meh. Why not? Go, go. You know what? Go ahead. Go ahead, Jack. Go for it. Have at it. I mean, like, obviously, we firefighters are not doing our job very well, so maybe we should just let the guy's brother go in and give it a shot. <laughs> Here's a hard hat. Make sure to watch your dress slacks and your loafers. It's going to be rough in there. <laughs> I mean, ugh. The building's gonna collapse any minute now, and they just let a civilian go in. It doesn't matter how big of a check Jack Abbott was willing to write the Firefighters Foundation, that was never going to happen in reality. And you know what I like in my soap opera? Reality. <laughs> but hey, Jack knows happens to know exactly right where Billy is. I mean, like, nobody else can seem to find him, but just the path is completely clear <laughs> for Jack to go in, in there and find Billy. And they have this cheerful apology and this reunion, and that part was good. Th that part was good. The power of Peter Bergman and Jason Thompson is undeniable. Those were well written, I think, uh, human moments. I mean, I, I did, I, I did feel 
that, you know, just for, for the fact that these are two people who have loved each other throughout their lifetime. They've had this falling out and here they are when push comes to shove supporting each other. I get it. I do understand and appreciate that part of it. Uh, but, you know, I think that that whole part of it was completely dependent on the power of the actors. And you can't you can't hang a show on the power of the actors week after week after week if the writing and the believability is not there. Like, I'm not trying to take away that those were tearful, wonderful moments that I think, you know, a lot of people probably did enjoy, but just, I, I mean, you can't do that every week. What are you going to do next time? And there's also a part of me that it's like, it just, it's all about those two actors, and I really... I really kind of liked the rivalry that was going on between uh, Billy and Jack. I was disappointed that even though these are great scenes of, you know, of making up between Billy and Jack, like, I was kind of disappointed that now the rivalry's over. I mean, it was the one rivalry on the show that I was kind of getting into. Victor and Nick's rivalry does not work. It does not make sense. It just doesn't. They just don't pull it off. The two actors just don't, they're just not pulling it off for me. YNR should have let Victor and Nick stay at peace. Jack and Billy's rivalry, to me at least, made sense. There is so much hatred there that was so deep and so raw, and it goes all the way back, and it just worked for me. Peter Bergman, Jason Thompson brought the perspective of both Jack and Billy into crystal clear view for me earlier in the week when they had that that argument at Jack's office. Uh, Billy was confronting Jack about tainting the face mask and they just went at it. It was just everything. They just put everything both of the guys have been feeling for years on the table. And there was that great line where Billy said to Jack, you know, we have more in common with each other than we ever had with our father. And I thought, oh, that is so true. We both lie. We both cheat. We both steal. And I thought, oh, that's so, it just makes sense that these two guys would actually be rivals. And part of me thinks, ah, oh, that's just too much chemistry to exchange for brotherly love. There's going to be no drama there now. I know a lot of people were were ready for, for Jack and Billy to, to, to make up, but I wasn't one of them. <laughs> I would have rather seen Jack rip Billy out of there, drag him to safety just to spite him and, and to continue the rivalry. But instead... Pretty much we had uh, Billy and Jack had their reunion in the rubble, cut to commercial, come back from commercial. Next scene, Billy's hobbling out of the building on Jack's arm. Just fine. He's fine. He's fine. (laughs) Next week, I don't know. Maybe they'll even talk about it. I don't know if it'll ever even be addressed again. There's just part of me that thinks, oh, he, I guess he's just he's just fine now. We want to know why? Because he was always going to be fine. Because it was this false drama. It was just this created drama, and I, I just I don't I didn't like it. It was all very disappointing to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Again, I don't want to try, I'm not trying to, you, you, you guys tell me what you think. Tell me, am I wrong? If I'm wrong, if you loved it and I'm being way too hard on it, tell me. Go to yrchat.com. I want you to give 
Mal Young his grade. I'm sticking with a solid D here. <laughs> it would be an F if not for the potential that I'm just, I'm gonna, I'm giving him a tiny little bit of credit, hoping that he was just working on getting some stuff where it needs to be, fixing up some loose ends, and then maybe next week we can get into the kind of YNR that I like to see. And it's all, it's all preferential too. I mean, it's just what do the majority of the fans want to see? I want to see sex. I want to see business. Um, I want to see family drama. Uh, I don't want to see disaster. I don't want to see blood. And I'm, I just, that's just me. I mean, I'm okay with a little mystery and stuff being, being, uh, sprinkled in there, but I just don't need this. I don't need uh, this. <laughs> Spend your budget somewhere else. Bring back some, uh, some actors or something. I just, I'm, I'm hoping that next week, uh, things are going to start to feel like home again. I want to feel like home when I'm watching my YNR. And, um, and, and of course, I'm just still waiting to find out the, you know, the conclusion to this week's true epic cliffhanger. How long is Reed going to be grounded for? Jack did succeed in destroying Brash and Sassy. The poison face mask debacle has made it impossible for Victoria to make enough money to pay off her loans, so she has no choice but to consider taking on a partner, which means selling off part of the company. And who has the deepest pockets in town? She'd actually been kicking around the idea of selling part of it to Billy and forming a partnership with him. And I thought that would have been great. I was excited about that potential. Give Billy some ownership in a company because he's never really had a permanent position in his own family company. Um, but then it came to light through testing and in the rubble from Billy's lips that the reason the face masks were tainted was because he okayed the use of some shady manufacturers and using some shady ingredients uh, and in the rush to get the product to market, uh, the, 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 I don't know, whatever, they decided to use poison. I guess they had a choice to use regular herbs or poison herbs and they decided to use the poison ones because <laughs> it was cheaper. <laughs> so basically it was Billy's fault that Victoria got sick and it was Billy's fault that her company failed and Billy was barely walking out of the rubble before Victoria was smacking him and firing him for all of this even that that also did not feel like Victoria Victoria did not feel like Victoria to me also this week um I, I it also, it really rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, like, when, did you get the sense from Victoria that she, when Phyllis came out, uh, sorry, when Billy came out of the rubble, he had this choice almost where Victoria and Phyllis are both standing there. And as the audience, you're kind of wondering whose arms is he, are he going to throw himself into? And part of me thought, is, is Victoria just waiting to see whose arms he's going to throw himself into to make the decision about what she's going to do with Billy? And then when Billy chose Phyllis, is that when she made the decision to run back to Daddy and sell her company to him? The thing that really made my blood boil this week is the fact that Scott took a break 
from doing anything constructive to go to a Halloween party. The day after <laughs> Scott got out of jail was way too casual. I mean, who wakes up next to a bloody, brutally murdered woman and then the next day is all her, her, candy corn. Sure, I'll meet my girlfriend's kid. That made no sense to me. I would be huddled up in a corner, rocking back and forth. But that's apparently not how he handles a situation like that. Last week, I asked you guys if you felt that that whole storyline was too dark for daytime. The majority of you said no. 53% said no, I think it's good. Uh, 47% did also feel that it was too dark. Just it, To me, it was so dark <laughs> and then so light. And it just, it, the two did not meet in the middle. The two did not connect. And, and, and on top of it all, I'm losing some respect for Scott. Scott says that his, his whole thing, let, let's just assume this is explaining it. Scott says that he's just going to play it cool. Because he doesn't want to tip Zach off. Okay, all right, I'll give you that. But then five minutes later, he loses his cool and he tips his hand to Zach. <laughs> then adding to the whole, the, the whole suspicion, right? Zach has been tipped. And then on top of that, she, Sharon and Tessa are both nervous around Zach now. And he sees it. You know, I mean, like, uh, Scott tells Sharon all his suspicions. Sharon tells Tessa that Zach is the ring, sex ring leader in exchange for information about him. And now they're both all nervous around him. So Zach knows. He knows that the gig is up. It was interesting to finally get the Chicago connection between Tessa and Zach. Uh, it's revealed that apparently... Zach owned a chain of intimate massage parlors <laughs> wherein women in skimpy outfits are massaging Harvey Weinstein's <laughs> in Chicago. Tessa admits that she did work for Zach a little bit. She did give some massages, but she never prostituted herself. <laughs> I don't know if I'm supposed to believe that, but she swears to it. And Zach uh, had gotten kind of threatening with her, so she decided to get get far away from that sort of thing. She didn't pursue it. Her sister wasn't so lucky. Her sister got roped into the whole thing, but Tessa uh, did not. It it just bothered me that the all, like all of the action that they created around that last week was completely stopped. It was completely halted for this Halloween party, and now we're just waiting around the whole time. Every moment that Scott is on my screen, I'm like, "What are you doing? What are you doing right now to further this? <laughs> what are you doing to prove your innocence? What are you doing to keep everybody around you safe from this monster who would just kill a woman and try to frame you for it? I mean." All you're doing is giving Zach more time to make a move. And Scott, at the end of the week, as the Halloween party started to wind down, finally, finally dawns on him, even though we know Ab Abby's in immediate danger right now. But it finally dawns on Scott that, you know, Zach could maybe target his girlfriend. He could maybe target Sharon and Faith. Yeah, yeah, he could. All the while, you're sitting around getting a, with a butterfly painted on your face, waiting for it to happen.
I knew something must have happened between Mariah and Tessa because before I even had a chance to watch the episode, I'm getting flooded with website comments from random, angry YNR fans doing internet searches, finding YNR chat, and wanting to tell us that they've been watching the show since 1902. And now they have to stop watching it because of the terrible lesbian. (laughs) I I thought the only thing that was believable about this week's show was Mariah and the fact that she finally talked to us. It was, and, and not only that, but she finally talked to Sharon. Frankly, it was one of the only things about this week that felt right, right. Uh, she finally, Mariah finally opens up. She's in the process of re- of realizing herself. And she finally opens up to Sharon, talks through her feelings with her. And when Mariah is saying all of these things, I can't help but feel for her. She's, she's, tr- she's saying to Sharon, Devon is everything that a woman could want. So why don't I want him? That makes sense to me. And I, you know, she, it's telling, saying to Sharon, I feel like I'm looking at myself from the outside and I'm tired of pretending. It clicks. It clicks for me. I, I, like, it's not even just a story about sexuality. Take that out of it. It's a story about self-discovery. And I don't know why it's so much harder for someone to watch that than it is to watch a daddy, a dead bloody hooker. <laughs> if it's so hard to identify with that, then like it's also a story about acceptance. It's also a story about accepting the people around you and 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 still choosing to participate. Sharon's daughter is opening up to her for the very first time saying some things that maybe she's never said out loud, saying some things that she certainly never said to her mother and 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 Sharon now has to make a choice about how to proceed, what to say, what to do, you know, qualming her own shock. And, and and parlaying it into some advice, some support for, uh, for, for Mariah. And, and she tells Mariah, just be who you really are. That's all you can really do is just be who you really are, which is the right thing to say. Be who you really are. That's the right response. I was so proud of Sharon for having it. I knew that she would. I, I never thought for a moment that Sharon would say, you know, you're not my daughter anymore. And that for a moment. But I loved that Mariah felt comfortable enough to talk to Sharon. I love that Sharon was able to control herself enough to understand that in that moment, what she needed to do was support her daughter. And I mean, she also told uh, Mariah that she should tell Tessa how she feels, that if this is how she feels, she needs to talk to Tessa about it. And I have to hand it to Sharon because that's not easy advice to give, knowing that Tessa's with Noah, Tessa's with her son. So knowing that one of her children is going to be hurt either way, I'm sure that Sharon is not going to be quite so friendly to Tessa <laughs> the next time she sees her. Because <laughs> uh, as Mariah told Sharon about the fact that they already had kissed, 
<laughs> Sharon wasn't too happy at the idea that this girl's kissing both my son and my daughter. I mean, <laughs> but still, Sharon rose up and tried to be a mother in that moment. She encourages Mariah to talk to Tessa. Mariah does. Mariah goes to the coffee house. She finds Tessa, who's very busy, but sitting there. <laughs> finds her at the coffee house, wants to talk about everything, about the feelings, about the kiss, what it meant. And although Tessa does agree to talk openly about it, she again, again, shuts it down from going any further. Tessa pretty much says, yes, look, the kiss, I was there for it. It meant something to me. We have a connection. I care about you. But the kiss was a moment that has passed. I want you as a friend. I care. I, I, I value you as a friend, but that is what we can be right now. And the thing that I guess I found weird was the fact that Mariah kept pushing her. This is now the second time that they've kind of talked about it. And Tessa has said, I'm with Noah. I'm with Noah. I am with Noah. Why doesn't Mariah understand that? She keeps kind of pushing it. And it seemed to me that Mariah was perceiving what Tessa was saying as Tessa being selfish for wanting to continue the friendship when it didn't come off that way to me. I don't, I don't think Tessa... I know I've been viewing this differently than other people, but I just don't think Tessa has really done anything wrong by Mariah. I, I think Tessa's, she participated. She let herself kind of get caught up in a, in a moment that felt very uh, right in the moment. But then Tessa made her choice. What's, you know, if it were two, if it were a man and a woman, it, it I mean, it would be the same. It's just like, well, it's just, it's not going to work. And she's told you that. So I, I, I kind of have a feeling like the way Mariah kind of stomped off and and she seemed to sort of say well I don't want to be friends then I want more and if we can't be more then I don't want anything which is legitimate that's totally valid if that if that's what Mariah needs if Mariah needs to not be friends with Tessa in order to save herself then that's okay that's that's perfectly legitimate she Mariah maybe has got some work to do on on her own in, in terms of you know understanding who she is coming to terms with it and then pursuing a lifestyle outside of that Tess is not the only fish in the sea uh, a lot of people want someone that doesn't don't want them back but I kind of wonder if now YNR is getting ready to ditch Tessa, based on Mariah's reaction to the whole thing, and just on, it just seems like Tessa's a little different now this week. I just, I, Tessa did say something to Mariah about, that, well, there are some things in my past that I can just never tell you. I can never tell you about them because I care for you, and this is just how it has to be right now. Almost indicating that the, there's more to Tessa's story and that maybe she would get involved with Mariah if it weren't for the more to Tessa's story. I just, I, it's got to be more than the massage parlor thing. I mean, that's not as big of a deal, I guess. I'm not sure. I, I just keep thinking that we're going to find something out about Tessa that's going to turn everyone against her. Like, maybe Tessa's going to be on her way out, and this is part of storyline cleanup. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe Tessa would have gotten involved in a relationship with Mar Mariah, but she's too busy grifting Mariah's brother right now.
it's Halloween. I love Halloween. So, of course, I loved looking at the, the few costumes that we got. And I did, I really thought a fun, fun costume combo was Mariah and Devon. Mariah was giving you Madonna and Devon was giving you Michael Jackson. I thought, well, that's an interesting choice. But then I remembered that I saw a commercial for that CBS had that um, Michael Jackson Halloween special. I don't even know what it was. It seemed like it was animated. I It blipped up on my radar. Uh, and then I, I kind of realized, oh, okay, that's sort of a tie-in. <laughs> we want to promote the Michael Jackson right now so we can get more viewers for our Halloween special. But I thought that they both look great. And I was happy that Mariah had that crimpy hair for the scene between she and Tessa because it looked really good. Mariah looked really, really pretty in that scene too. Um, and then Tessa and Noah were basically like vampires. I was getting a Lost Boys vibe, I guess, from Tessa and Noah. It, di it didn't play real obvious. They must look like bad, naughty vampires. <laughs> Which, again, is something I feel like visually YNR is trying to cue us that Tessa's not a good girl. Like, she's dressed in all dark and, she, you know, just I just, I feel like the winds of change are blowing there. Um... Let's see, what other uh, Halloween costumes do we have? We had um, Faith and her little disco outfit and Sharon and her cute little kitty ears. And I saw some comments of people totally not getting Nick and Chelsea's outfit, which is understandable. It, it was very, huh? Uh, I mean, Chelsea, I get, it was basically, I guess they were a space family. <laughs> Chelsea and Nick and the kids, they were a space family. Uh, it, it did look a little th thrown together. Chelsea said she threw it together and it did, it did look like she and Nick's um, vest was a little weird. I, I got it. I understood it was a space theme. Uh, uh, I guess uh, not everybody did, though. It was a, a little weird. Um, I, I sort of liked Reed's Too Cool for Halloween shirt that he had on, and I liked that Kane said to him, what are you for Halloween, a slacker? <laughs> that was perfect. That fit. That made sense. But I guess my, my best... My favorite Halloween costume had to be Maddie and Charlie's dual red riding hood, big bad wolf uh, costume. I thought that was really fun. I liked that they matched their costumes. It reminds us that they're twins. These are uh, siblings who are still very close. Uh, and, and I liked, I really liked Charlie. I didn't <clears throat> get a chance to talk about it very much during the fire because I was too busy bitching. <laughs> <laughs> but I really like Charlie. I like the way he, uh, you know, when the smoke was all coming down, that he was, or the smoke's coming in the room, and they have to wet the towels to to be able to breathe in. I like that he grabbed a beer, because uh, it was the only thing that was in that underground office, and he grabbed the beer, and he goes to try to drink it, and he's just funny. I liked, uh, you know, I like, you know, that Maddie's the nerd, and Charlie's the jock. It's a good dynamic. Like, that's something that's being done very right. I, I did enjoy the dynamics of the kids, and I thought Maddie looked adorable as Red Riding Hood. I mean, she couldn't, could she even have been any cuter? This week's YNR could be summed up in one sentence. Endless, multiple, bouts of fun. <laughs> That was our quote from last week. Endless multiple bouts of fun. <laughs> that was me watching the show this week. Not. <laughs> uh, that was Phyllis who said uh, endless multiple bouts of fun describing her relationship 
with Billy uh, during the big argument scene. Uh, not a lot of people got that one right. In fact, only four people got it right. So I got to give big props to Tanya, Ambreen, Jamie, and Henry. You guys all guessed it. Uh, here's our quote for this week. It's just, I like it. Time of death? Now. <laughs> also, that's how I felt watching YNR this week. Time of death? Now. If you think you know who said it, you can go to yrchat.com and leave me your guess. And if you get it right, I will give you your shout out on next week's YNR chat. All right, I have given my rants and my two cents. Let's consider this chatterbox to be opened. Ellen at YRChat.com says, Cameron Grimes acting on Thursday was incredible. I'm so glad that she finally talked to Sharon about her feelings. Obviously, she's been walking around with so much pent up inside. Her twisted childhood certainly factors into her trouble handling the situation with Tessa, but I think most people would have trouble figuring out what to do when you don't want to hurt people, but you also want to be true to yourself. It was a relief to see some real emotion in the middle of the very predictable disaster plotline at the underground. I thought it was very touching, Ellen says. I wonder where it will go from here. Sandra at YRChat.com says, Mariah broke my heart. To me, she's the most real person on the show. At this point, I don't even care if Mariah and Tessa wind up together. Mariah deserves an amazing love story all to herself, no matter who it's with. I thought it was especially important how Mariah made it clear that she wants Tessa in her life as more than a friend and isn't willing to settle. I am just so glad that the majority of YNR Cheddars have been accepting of this storyline and accepting of Mariah and are just able to empathize. Um, I guess that's where, you know, where I excel. I'm just an empathetic person. So regardless of how, you know, anybody feels about, uh, you know, having the, you know, about whatever, I mean, lifestyles and, you know, but I just, it's just like being able to put yourself into someone's shoes, I think is a really good quality. So um, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you guys responded to that part of the story as much as I did. Rose at YRChat.com makes a good point that Tessa's response felt weird. I'm glad she validated Mariah's feelings to some extent, but clearly she's not capable of the same kind of emotion as Mariah. As a side note, I think they need to stop putting fake eyelashes on Tessa. She never stops blinking as if they are uncomfortable, and it's really distracting. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Tessa seems not capable of returning the feelings, and that's not unusual. That's not that unusual. If 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 you if you plucked out Tessa and put a man in in her spot, it's not. It's the same thing. I mean, like she just obviously Tessa does not fully return. If 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 a if Mariah were sparks fireworks everything to Tessa or to to if, in the same way that that Tessa is that to Mariah then they'd be together but but they're not so they're not um and and I agree with what Sandra said too I mean let's focus on Mariah I kind of feel like 
the response that Tessa had is it's just a signal that she's 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 on her way out and I have noticed the eyelashes thing too. <laughs> uh, lots of young women wear fake eyelashes these days um, and it's very obvious. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I I agree. Diana at YRChat.com says, I felt so sorry for Dina when Jack told Dina that Graham didn't want to see her again. The way she fell onto the couch after hearing the news, because she probably felt weak in the knees from hearing that devastating news, you felt sorry for her in that moment. And I was upset with Jack for telling her that, even though um, I I know it was told to her for her own good. Good, I like that that you mentioned that, Diana, because um, I, I, I just kind of skipped over that part of it. But I I mean, I'm not sure if that's going to somehow tie into Dina's frame of mind uh, when the whole fire thing happened. But it was it was an emotional moment. And what does it mean for Graham? Um, Graham has not followed her back to Genoa City. She's now been told that Graham no longer wants uh, to be her friend. Uh, and it's it was very sad to see her reaction there. Are we done with Graham, though? Is that does that mean I, I kind of wonder? It seems we made Graham a bad guy a couple weeks ago and. And now this, and I wonder, is he going to come back? Is he going to follow her? Or are, are we going in a different direction? Like, right before uh, Jack took Dina out of the hotel at Florida, Graham was like, you know what? Good luck with that. You can be her keeper. Even though we've never seen any indication that any of this has happened before. <laughs> um, Connor left me a voicemail, and I was laughing out loud during this voicemail because... I, I felt validated in my not loving of the whole disaster storyline. Connor really had me laughing and made a really good point that we all know somehow miraculously Brent Davis's picture isn't going to be burned. It's going to be left off to the side somewhere and police are going to find it and trace that back to the Abbott family. That's what I, I hadn't thought of that at all, about the photo maybe still being recovered from the fire. Can you imagine? I mean, the, 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 they probably will say the building is a complete loss, but the photo, we found that. Uh, it's either going to be that or the record. <laughs> so stupid. And have you noticed that they have to fuzz out the record? Uh, every time they hold up that, uh, that the record front, if you look closely at the screen, you can see that they've had to digitally remove some of the info on it because apparently there's probably a copywriter or trademark issue or something, but who didn't think of that before? They had to do all that in post. Um, not brilliant and distracting. I don't know, maybe you guys didn't notice it, but um, the record was playing uh, when Dina was there, or it was on the record player, and then she grabbed the record, took that with her <laughs> to the underground. I thought that the record was going to be left at the underground in the fire, but then when she came back, she puts it back on the record player. Jack did notice it was gone. Hmm, that's kind kind of weird and then it reappeared I don't know what they're gonna do with that but you're probably right if the photo is what's left behind then that's probably what they're gonna focus on again Nick's gonna think he did it or the kids are gonna think that they did it Dina's not gonna remember it uh, except who knows maybe she'll put together the pieces when she comes through I'm not looking forward to an Alzheimer's storyline and again this is the other thing that I don't like in soaps I don't like medical drama <laughs> Like, all of these things are very CBS. That It fits in with the CBS's other lineup. They love, like, 
police dramas and medical dramas and all, you know, all the heightened disaster stuff and horrors are very big right now. So it fits in the landscape of CBS and probably within the landscape of what other people like to see. It's just not what I like to see. And I don't, yeah, I just, I'm not looking forward to the sad. I like Dina and I'm not looking forward to being sad about seeing her with Alzheimer's. Bummer. I got, you know, this is the thing. It's like with This Is Us. I watched the first two or three episodes and cried at every single one of them. And I'm like, I can't do this to myself. Like, there is enough sadness in the world. I need to keep it tight. (laughs) That's the flip side of being an empathetic person. It's like, I feel everything. So I'm not looking forward to feeling this and going through it as if I'm there. Can we have something happy, please? Please, something next week happy. <laughs> I know a lot of people were happy about the uh, Jack and Billy feud being over. Uh, Ellen, also at YRChat.com, said, let's end the Jack and Billy feud. Jack needs to hate Victor for losing Phyllis, not Billy. Very good point. Robbie at YRChat.com says, I've never connected with this version of Billy. The actor is definitely talented, but for some reason he's never felt like Billy to me. But with that said, I damn near cried from his scenes with Jack in the rubble. When Jack said, I'm here, buddy. Nothing but waterworks. <laughs> it's the power of, 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 of Peter Bergman. I mean, he was excellent. The actors were excellent. I'm in no way taking that away. T. Nicole at YRChat.com says, I understand that Billy and Phyllis were fighting. But Jack seemed like the only one who was truly devastated that Billy was stuck inside. I know the others were concerned, but I thought for sure Phyllis and Victoria would be more hysterical and crying. For the time, Phyllis didn't even know Billy was alive. I thought there would be more emotion from her. As for Victoria, you have no clue if your children will lose their father? I thought there would be so much more scariness, sadness, and fear from them. At least, uh, at least uh, Billy got his brother back. Totally agree. The reactions outside of the fire, it just, like, Phyllis seemed not moved. Victoria had no, she had so much don't care in her (laughs) that she would smack him after he just got out of a life and death situation for the, I mean, was there, why was there no, like, the whole thing that Jack had, the whole, that whole realization that Jack had where family's more important, people are more important. Why was that absent from Victoria completely? And, and, and as far as Phyllis is concerned, yeah, I didn't get the impression that when she left town, she was going to break up with Billy. I thought she was just taking a moment. Uh, and then when she comes, so when she comes back, I would have expected her to be in tears. And yeah, there was that vibe between them of, of like, yeah, tell him he's got to get out of there. You know, Phyllis is going to be strong and whatever. But yeah, it was, how am I supposed to believe that it's as dire as it is? And there was no tears on the outside of the building, except for Jack. Jack's the only one, the least likely one, to be crying over Billy. And it was and and, and he was the one that was crying. <laughs> Consuela at yrchat.com uh, also hits on something I didn't get the chance to talk about that Kane might be softening up toward uh, Billy here soon. Even Kane looked worried. Even Kane looked worried for Billy when the kids told him that he was the one that saved them. Yes! Even Kane. <laughs> um, I'm wondering if that is that's gonna heal the rift 
that existed to heal the rift between Kane and Billy, the fact that Billy saved the children. But now we've got Victoria on the other side of that. We still got the rift between Kane and, uh, actually, between the Ashbys and Victoria, because, um, of course, the Ashbys are blaming Reed for having the key that let the kids in, and so it's, it's all Reed's fault. I'm sure Reed's going to get his ass <laughs> grounded next week, but it pits Victoria against uh, the Ashbys uh, once again, and they also, I had this feeling <laughs> that after the kids were rescued, I thought, oh, this is going to be something that Lily and Kane are going to bond over. They even come back to the house, and they're talking about how glad they are, everything is okay, and everything feels different now. And you see this little twinkle of hope in Kane's eye uh, that they're so happy that they're bonding. And then Lily says, yes, all of this bonding will really help us get through the divorce. Well, that's disappointing. <laughs> like everything else. Liz at YRChat.com says, Allie, I know how much you can't stand the underground set, so I'm sure you were pleased it went up in flames. I didn't have any issues with the underground, Liz says, but we are guaranteed now to get a new meetup spot with a new design, which is always a treat for the viewers. Well, there's a silver lining, Liz. I didn't think of that. You gave me a little bit of something positive to hang on to. Uh, I did, didn't even occur to me that we probably will get a new set out of this. That's the thing. People want to take over the show. Whoever. I don't know why YNR has to have so many different writers, so many different people taking over in such a short amount of time. I don't know what's going on there that makes it so challenging for someone to run this show. I don't know. I'm not there. But when we get someone new, they want to blow things up. <laughs> <laughs> they want and they want to uh, create new sets. They want to build something new. So you are right. We probably are going to get something new out of this. It better be excellent. <laughs> Anna left me a voicemail saying, "Allie, did you notice the little personality shift that Jordan had this week?" Oh yes, I did. Oh, yes, I did. Hillary and Jordan had their um, argument this week at the bar. And it was, yeah, obvious. It was obvious to me, too, that Jordan is a little different now. He's a little darker now. He was talking to Hillary, just being more kind of dominant with her, I guess. He, you know, he tell, tells her, you know what? You're just all hairspray and nail tips. That is does not even sound like something Jordan would have said two weeks ago. What happened to Mr. Jordan, Mr. Nice Guy, Mr. Okay, I'll just be friends with you, Lil. I mean, he's been bumbling along through town being Mr. Nice Guy since he's been on. And now all of a sudden, in one moment, oh, we're seeing little hints of him being a jerk. I think, uh, I think um, absolutely we're going to see Jordan go down. This is, I think they're getting rid of people or tweaking characters at this point and deciding to make people bad. Uh, he got a drink in the face from Hillary. And then in the preview of next week's show, Hillary is telling Chelsea that she needs to be reporting the facts. I'm sure that has something to do with Jordan. I don't know exactly specifically what it is, but I've been predicting that he had some sort of connection to the sex ring. I still think that's a very strong probability. Um, it's not, it cannot be a coincidence that he took, that he, he took nudie photos and now we're going with this like intimate massage parlor slash sex ring thing. Get us out of this. That's what I want out of this. But not everybody felt that way. I think some people have seemed to, to to like and respond to the whole sex ring thing. Um, uh, but I, I like, I want to present this uh, view from Diana at YRChat.com saying, I wonder if Nick's comment to Scott 
was foreshadowing that he may be a bad guy after all. Um, Nick told Scott that he has everyone in the family fooled but him. Um, I'm going to pause there for a second on that comment because somebody else said that too, that maybe we're start, we're going to see the end of Scott. Uh, and that's, it's certainly a real possibility. You don't know new writers. We don't know who's going to take over, what they're going to choose to do, but you are right in honing in on that, that Nick, Nick has now said, Scott seems like a bad influence. I don't know if he's just, if Scott's going to unwillingly rain down some hell on Sharon and Faith and tick Nick off and reunite Nick and Sharon in the process. Um, that's, probably actually what it's going to be as to whether or not Scott has you know is going to stay on the show long term I don't know I mean who knows what they're going to decide to do um Diana also goes on to say I would like to see Zach redeemed and made a good guy his acting is very believable as a bad guy I'd like to see he and Abby possibly make things work sorry make things work but he would have to do a lot of good to make up for all of his sleazy and horrible past. I mean, really and truly, if YNR chooses to, they can redeem anybody. I mean, Michael was a rapist. <laughs> Kevin was an internet predator. <laughs> and they, they went on to be on the show for a very long time. So um, certainly they could do it if they wanted to. But I, I also really did um, like this comment from Gary because I hadn't quite thought about it this way. Um, I don't know why this didn't occur to me, but Gary says to stop Scott's magazine article, wouldn't it have been easier for, for Zach to just kill Scott instead of taking it out on poor Natalia? Wouldn't that have better served his purpose or did he feel it would be too messy? I don't know. That's a good question. It's another roundabout thing. Why didn't Zach, why doesn't Zach ever come after Scott directly? Why is it, why would he kill one of his people? It's just, it's roundabout. It makes no sense. Um, and also, uh, regarding Zach's redeemability, um, Gary made a very good point that this is, it is going to be a character that's very, um, difficult to redeem because of the nature of his transgression against these young vulnerable women, which Gary makes a good comment. It says something about how Zach views women. I mean, he can't possibly like women if he's prostituting them out. So how can he really have any kind of true love for Abby? I mean, I think that if, if, if Zach is a character that is going to be redeemed, they're going to, they would have to do it on a long term on a long run. I don't think it says, I don't think it's possible. I just, I'm not sure it's possible that they're going to do it soon with Abby and Zach and just knowing that, that Abby's going to be going off the show. Um, we saw a preview for next week's show where Abby is telling Zach that uh, she's th there. She wants to move in together. Maybe somebody should like tell her <laughs> what's going on with Zach. That might, you know, before she moves him on in, <sighs> can somebody give her a heads up? It's okay to tell Tessa, but it's not okay to tell Abby. Are they thinking that she's not going to believe them? Why don't you tell Victor? Tell Victor about your suspicions so that he can help Abby. Why are we leaving Abby out to dry? I am working hard <laughs> to contain it. And it's still getting out. Um, <laughs> Tony left me a comment at, at yrchat.com about last week's poll and the darkness of daytime. And I really like this um, this comment, Tony says, uh, there there used to be a lot more dark storylines. Uh, Phyllis ran two people over with a car. Michael stalked Christine. Paul forced himself on Christine. Sharon killed a guy. I mean, there's so many other stories on the show that have been very, very dark. Uh, Tony says, those stories are awful, but we all know their stories, and some of them are more interesting than product placement 
on Fenmore's shelves. <laughs> Very good point taken. Um, it's just, I really it boils down to what kind of show you want to watch. What what is it that you want to watch? You know what what compels you as a viewer. Um, just a little anecdote. I wanted to mention, um, I, uh, I'm a work from home mom and my daughter is, t is 10 months old now. She's just starting to get into things <laughs> and I'm trying to do my job. So, um, I, I, I didn't want to do it, but one o'clock rolls around and I'm dying for some kind of distraction for this child so that I can do some work. I sit her down and flipping through the TV channels, which I never do. I don't just watch TV. I don't usually have the TV on, but I'm flipping through and I'm like, all right, fine, Days of Our Lives. <laughs> My daughter, watch Days of Our Lives. It will hopefully keep you calm. It's not, you know, it's a good starter soap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, eventually, you know, as she cuts more teeth, we can get her into the, get her into the YNRs. I'm not even kidding you guys. I sat her down one o'clock. <laughs> I felt terrible. I feel like this is bad mothering, but I sat her down one o'clock and this kid, she never watches TV. She will not watch children's shows. I have tried in the past to get her to watch, you know, PBS or whatever the kids shows on. She wouldn't, wouldn't do it. I sit her down at one o'clock <laughs> to watch Days of Our Lives. She's still watching it at 1.45. <laughs> like, well, there you go. I mean, days of our lives. It's for babies, apparently. I don't know. But I wonder if she has some sort of innate, uh, innately drawn to the beats of soap operas, the, you know, the conversational tones and the music swelling. I wonder if she's attracted to that normally. I'm, I mean, I'm, or sorry, not normally, but naturally. I can't be, I, I can't be having baby and Y&R at the same time, though. I need, I have to focus on Y&R. Y&R is serious business <laughs> for me. So I, I can't have her watching YNR because I have to be, you know, watching her at the same time and I'm not having it. Uh, so, so we'll cut her teeth on days of our lives and we'll work her up to maybe Bold and the Beautiful and then we'll get her on YNR. But I'm, I'm mentioning it because the thing is, I've always kind of not been into days. I watch, I watch days of our lives in the nineties. Um, so I know Marlena and John and I, I was watching during the whole exorcist thing in the nineties. I know Lucas, I know Sammy. It was kind of nice to turn on the show and still see some of the old characters. Um, you know, I mean, I was watching when Will was born and now, you know, he's coming back, uh, coming back on the show. So, I mean, it was, um, you know, it, it's, I've been kind of down on days in the past, I know, but the flip side of the fact that my 10 month old now watches days of our lives is like for the first day she watched it, she watched it a couple days this week. <laughs> first day she watched it. I was like, whatever watch days while I do my job and then like by the third day I found myself like peeking around the corner <laughs> like okay what's going on now <laughs> oh you uh you have a you uh, you paid a doctor to bring this guy back to life okay okay and then I saw Eileen Davidson who plays Ashley on YNR doing her whole Susan Bucktooth. It's so crazy that Eileen Davidson is such a goddess to me on YNR, and I forgot that she plays this dual role on Days, and she just looks so bad for it. It's crazy to me. But, you know, it was, you know, the, the flip side of it is, I know, like, flash forward, like, three weeks from now, I'm going to be watching Days. 
how they get you thing is they find something that you like i mean maybe you like disaster storylines maybe you like horror and maybe that's your hook and maybe they pull you in and flash forward 25 years later you're chatting about y&r on a weekly basis on, on youtube and, and itunes i mean you know they, they find that thing and then you're watching it same thing with bold and the beautiful i had some spare time before the baby i was like i'm gonna watch bold and the beautiful see how it goes first couple episodes i'm like this is stupid <laughs> I've now been watching it for five years steadily, and I love it. In a lot of ways, I love Bold and the Beautiful way more than I'm loving YNR this week. That's how they get you. <laughs> I'm imagining, like, you know, five, six years from now, maybe longer. My daughter's at school, and she's sitting there, like, in her desk looking up at the clock. It's one o'clock, and she's, she's watching the minute hand go by, like, really annoyed that she's not home watching days. <laughs> Like, it's okay, baby girl. We're going to record it for you. That's how I had to do it in my day. You come home, you watch YNR, have a snack. That's what we'll do. <laughs> you know, I've always kind of been sad that I didn't start watching YNR or didn't get into soaps because of tradition. Um, I didn't have, like, a lot of people say, well, my grandmother watched it, my mother watched it. I didn't have that. But I feel a little maybe good about myself this week. Maybe I'm starting a tradition. Maybe I'm watching and then... And she'll watch. Maybe she'll pass it on to her kids. And we're, we're st I don't have a soap opera family yet, but I'm creating one. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> uh, Justin also sent me a message on Facebook uh, wanting to comment about Mal Young and saying he's hoping that this new writing team is going to do something to conclude some unresolved storylines, particularly Christian's paternity. Um, I has, Is that going to come out? Is it? I mean, I think that in order for, to me, it seems like, Maybe YNR is going to try to move Sharon and Nick back together. I'm all for it. I think to do that, they might need to blow up Christian's paternity. Um, they may be moving Chelsea in a direction of Jordan instead. Maybe they've decided to go uh, with the Chelsea and Jordan pairing. She was defending him in the preview for next week's show. It's, we're seeing little hints of what this writing team is, is, pl is planning to do. I guess we'll see what they follow through with, who they cut, who they keep. Um, I wanted to also do a follow-up on Christoph St. John from, la from last week. Um, I'm just going to read you the report from Soap Opera or CBS Soaps in Depth. It says last weekend, the Young and the Restless star Christoph St. John was reportedly hospitalized and placed under psychiatric evaluation after allegedly threatening to kill himself. His ex-wife, Mia St. John, was quick to reassure fans not to believe all the wild stories flying around the Internet. And now a week later, St. John has made his first social media post since the incident. Quote, fall seven times, rise eight, the actor posted to, to Twitter. Life begins now. <clears throat> so, um, obviously, uh, it's just it's so heartbreaking to know what Christoph St. John, who plays Neil, if I didn't say that, um, has been through. Uh, we know that he lost his child, um, and we know that he's been struggling. And sometimes it's like, you know, people can put out their public face, and you don't know that they're struggling on the inside. So maybe that's just a little <clears throat> reminder for us. I am so glad to know that he is, I, I think it said he's been released. Um, no, wait, no. 
I'm not sure if he's been released or not, but it, it sounds like he is on his road to recovery, and I hope that he takes his time, gets what he needs first. That's, you know, that's that's the other thing. You, you, when something happens, you tend to maybe put other people first, and you don't take care of yourself. So I hope he continues to take care of himself. Uh, I will look forward to seeing what he brings uh, onto the show in the future, though, too. And uh, <clears throat> just ending on another positive uh, Young and the Restless story that I, a couple people emailed me uh, about uh, Thad Luckenbill returning to YNR as JT. Here's the uh, soap opera uh, article. I always say that. CBS Soaps in Depth article saying, a familiar face is coming home to Genoa City when Thad Luckenbill returns to the Young and the Restless as JT Hellstrom in the episode scheduled to air on Tuesday, December 12th. The soap announced that uh, announced the news with a special promo video posted to their Instagram account promising all Hellstrom is going to break loose. Uh, Luckenbill's JT says in a voiceover, sometimes after you leave, you realize you're not done with what you left behind. <laughs> So we've got that to look forward to in December. <clears throat> I watched the promo. You should watch the promo. Just go to Soaps in Depth and uh, and and find it. You'll see it right there on the front page. Uh, and so it's like Jace T sitting on a chair in like with darkness around him, and he's coming into light. And it seemed like we were seeing a very interesting, very confident, maybe even gritty version of JT. I don't know what they're going to do with him. We know he recently is in the process of divorcing Amelia Heinel, the, the, or Heinle, um, the, the, who plays Victoria. So I, that's got to be awkward. You know, divorcing your husband and he comes into your job and gets a role and, and everybody's so happy about it. They're promoting it even with a promo video. I mean, I, I don't know if that's going to be awkward for her, but I think it's it's going to be great for the fans. Um, <clears throat> I'm very interested interested to see where YNR is going to go, what they're going to do with this. <laughs> I think I'm breaking records for longest YNR chats. This has got to be November sweeps, right? I mean, I'm assuming that this they're not blowing and blowing upsets in uh in in you know other times of year. I'm assuming we are deeply in November sweeps. This is where they're gonna catch those viewers, uh, and yet they have turned me off. <laughs> I mean, for however many viewers they are catching, I'm telling you right now, they are turning me off. That doesn't mean I'm going to stop watching, of course. I've been watching the show since 1902, and let me tell you, it's real hard for me to watch these stories. I might have to stop watching. I might have to stop watching. <laughs> Please. You know, I'm, I'll be watching the show till the day I die or it dies. I just would like it to be a little, you know, vary it. Make it more like, um, a, if you, if you make, make some of the stuff disastery, make some of the stuff horror -y, but give me my core soap, you know, give me, give me some, at least make the characters consistent. I'm worried. I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to hide it. I feel worried about this. Oh, well, if it doesn't work out, we'll just get a new writer in three months. I mean, nobody can stay for very long. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I'm moody, um, but I was looking forward to YNR this week and I did not get what I wanted. 
Um, okay, enough said. I will stop. You tell me what you think. <laughs> you tell me if you loved it, hated it. Uh, get it all out there. Good, bad. Yrchat.com. Voicemail is 309-588-4569. I love hearing from you. I want you to give me your feedback. Uh, and I will, I, I, fingers crossed that we're in a place that I like a little better next week. Uh, but either way, I'll be back to chat with you about it next Sunday. So everybody, have a good week. I love you, and I will see you next time. Bye.